Anything good is God's proof to you sent beforehand to indicate that it's yours already. I'll say it again. True desire in the heart, that itch that you have, whatever it is you want to do, that thing that you want to do to help others and to, to grow and to make money, that desire, that itch, that's God's proof to you sent beforehand already to indicate that it's yours. And anything you want good, you can have. So claim it. Work hard to get it. When you get it, reach back. Pull someone else up. Each one, teach one. Don't just aspire to make a living. Aspire to make a difference. My family creates music, art, and books. Please support us and check it all out. Links are in the description. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Brett Keen. I hope you're all having a blessed day. Let me mute my mic and show you all something real quick. Calling with a couple of words about religion. Well, atheism is a belief, so I don't. I'm not an atheist because that's something you have atheism to believe. Also, makes a definitive statement. There is no. You. Yeah. What are you an agnostic? Not well. You know. I mean, somebody would define me. Religion. Uh, Bill Maher is going to have a movie coming in October. Well, atheism is a belief, so I don't. I'm not an atheist because that's something you have atheism. to believe. Well, atheism is a belief, so I don't. I'm not an atheist because that's something you have atheism to believe. Also, makes a definitive statement. There is no. You. Yeah. What are you an agnostic? Not well. You know. I mean, somebody would define me that way, but I don't think it's important to know yourself? the distinction. I'm just a person who thinks someday you could find out, and I would know that that whoever was there judging me, and I'm sure there's no one like that. But if there was someone judging me, then I'd be fine. So I don't even think about where, you know what my brother calls it? The big electron. Just the big electron. Something is humming. It's all you need is a good hum. A good hum. I don't mean, you know, the bad kind. Just a good hum. Yeah. And and so um, I think Jesus probably lived. He's probably a, a live guy. But uh, I got an interview with him in my book, by the way. You want to read that because he tells everything. You know, they ask him, is there a heaven? He says, not only is there a heaven, we got a heck. Heck and hell. Heck, heaven, heck, heck and hell. hell. And, and What's no, heck? Heck is not as bad as hell. <laughs> Similar. <laughs> Already mentioned a little bit about his history with religion. Was was he an atheist? Did he describe himself in any specific way? Related no, to God or he anything? did not use the term atheist. He felt atheism was as dogmatic as any other ism out there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh you know, lately I've been introduced to what they call the humanist, mm-hmm. uh, you know, kind of community, which is something I relate to a lot more. I think he would have felt better about that. It sounds like they're not going to have as many meetings and armbands and things like that, which he used to talk about groups because right. thing he's was, less Kool Aid, I think. Yeah, he felt yeah. any gr- you know any group of people you get groupthink, and then where does the individual thinking you know happen in that situation? Mm-hmm. So that always worried him. Uh, I, I think he self. You know, named himself mostly as an agnostic. Um, obviously, he didn't believe in the man in the sky with the beard thing. It's not like right. he was thinking that was possibility. But he had a deep sense of oneness with the universe. He loved astronomy. He loved that idea of looking up and, um, 
you know, that that feeling you get when you look at them and like, Jesus, we're just a speck here. And yet there's something about that being a speck that expands us at the same time. So there was something around that. Um, All right. Let's see. So if you're curious why I'm pointing this out and playing these video clips is because George Carlin has been passed away for an extremely long time at this point. And he was a comedian that I grew up listening to. I loved him. I considered him one of the most intellectual comedians and philosophers that ever existed within my lifetime. Yet, if you were to Google right now, you're going to see that there are literally hundreds of atheist websites where they claim that George Carlin was one of theirs. They deliberately and intentionally claim that he was an atheist. And it's simply not true. He actually had as much annoyance about atheism and their assertions and claims as he had about organized religion. Whenever it came to the concept of God, I know that whenever we watched some of these comedy skits, he said some things that were pretty rough. And I can understand why someone watching these comedy skits may say, oh, he says, well, there is no up there, or there is no God, and there's Joe Pesci. I've seen all the religious skits that he did. But I think that a lot of people, especially on the internet, non-believers mostly, you watch a, an actor on television, which, by the way, George Carlin acted in quite a few extremely famous movies that were very good, Um. And the fact that he's a comedian, you have forgotten that people tend to exaggerate their words and their concepts in order to uh, inhibit laughter and comedy and something funny. It's pretty clear to me, being that not only did I follow his life, as well as what he did as a comedian and a movie star, that this was a man who thought a great deal about the universe and what's in it. His problem with religion seemed to be the concept that people pushed an anthropomorphic God, almost as if God was our next-door neighbor, some kind of man who had limitations and issues. When he looked at the concept of God, he seen a more intrinsic, meaningful concept of a connection with the universe as opposed to what he would refer to as the bearded man in the sky. But to be fair and to be honest, there's no Christian out there who actually claims that God is some man who lives in the sky, who's got a beard and um, represents some kind of Santa Claus figure. These are all memes and nonsense that um, atheists themselves put forth. I don't believe that there's an old man living in Mount Olympus or up in a cloud. I believe that God actually exists outside of the universe and that God is beyond our imagination or we couldn't even, we wouldn't even be able to describe the actual manifestation of God. In fact, the Bible tells us that God never revealed himself in his entirety because it was believed that his holiness could actually destroy mankind, which is the reason why he manifested himself in things that we would be able to interpret and understand. 
He did, however, come down and put himself in the form of a man so he would be able to relate, identify, and be able to teach the message of love and mercy and compassion and forgiveness that he did. So, there's that. I understand his views, and believe it or not, even though I believe heavily in God, I myself have an issue with organized religion, so I don't disagree with him on a lot of the different things he says. And some of the interpretations that religious people have about God, I also agree with him on. I don't believe that God is just some old man. I don't believe he's some kind of petty figure that religious people make him out to be. I believe that God is much greater than even that of what we read in holy books. And even the Bible, as well as the Quran and any holy book you read, it's very clear that God is more, and that he's not given us everything, or he would not declare himself a mystery, even to man. We are just simply required to have faith, and it's not stupid or dumb or ignorant to put your faith or hope into something greater than yourself. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you've learned something. The next time some non-believer claims that a, a famous scientist or actor or celebrity or comedian or musician is an atheist, you might want to actually do your own research and not just take it because it emotionally feels good for you. I mean, we are trying to be critical thinkers, right? Rational and logical. But I don't believe that after I've shown these clips or evidence that George Carlin was not an atheist, that atheists are going to make any effort whatsoever of unsoiling his reputation and uh, speaking the truth about what he actually was and what he was about, because they simply don't care. They just simply don't respect George Carlin enough to tell the truth. All right, peace out and God bless. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Brett Keen. I hope you're all having a blessed day. When you get an opportunity, check out the links in my description. Check out my books, my music, my art. And when you get an opportunity, also check out the gaming streaming videos that uh, myself and son had done, as well as my brother, Justin Keen. And also you can check out his solo channel where he does music. I think you'll all enjoy it. Justin King. Yes, yes, yes. All right, so today we're going to talk about Jordan Peterson and some of the aggravation that I have encountered by atheists as well as Christians. I've noticed whenever I go to videos where Jordan Peterson uses the Bible and some of the stories in it as analogies to some of his psychological rants, speeches um, that are very motivational, very inspiring and all this. Um, there are atheists as well as Christians who are in the comments who are actually arguing over, oh, I think that Jordan Peterson's a Christian, or I think that Jordan Peter is a secularist, or an atheist, or blah, 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 blah. There's even people who've been arguing that they think that the reason why he won't say what he is is because they think that it may hurt him as a 
a psychologist whenever he's dealing with patients or whenever he's trying to help people. Because, let's face it, an atheist doesn't like the idea of going to a person who's spiritual to get any kind of advice or suggestions, unless it's somebody that they grew up with and that they're friends with or just happens to be a family member. Atheists don't tend to seek out any answers from church people themselves because they already imagine that church people are stupid in some kind of way or there's something malfunctioning in their brain. And then on the other hand, religious people see atheists as, if you're not for God, then you must be of Satan or the devil. So (laughs) they basically don't want to speak to someone about important personal matters because they think that the person's on their way to hell and probably has ulterior motives and wants to drag them down into the depths of hell themselves. There's a lot of mistrust between religious people and non-believers. Some of those things are justifiable, some of them are not. But what bothers me is that both Christians as well as atheists, they're always looking for validation. They're always looking for someone whom they respect or admire or consider smart, according to culture and society, to be a part of their group. A lot of atheists actually believe that they're an intelligent group because they have guys like Fry and Mr. Sam Harris, Richard Dawkins, Stephen Hawking, God rest his soul, he passed away, um, Hitchens, and... They've got quite a few people in their camp that a lot of people do admire and do respect. Uh, A lot of people respect Richard Dawkins based upon some of his books, but mostly his respect and credibility comes from the science he's done in the evolution department. So whenever atheists see people like this and they claim to be a skeptic, it really, really gets them hot and bothered, and they like to use the authority arguments and that of popularity. Oh, look, see, we've got great people on our camp. And somehow it makes them feel as though if they got someone who's smart, who claims to be of their group, it makes them feel like they're smart, too. It makes them not feel so socially awkward and unloved or neglected by society. Well, sad to say, even though Christianity has billions of more followers than atheism, Christians uh, are human. So a lot of them are very fragile and have a very vulnerable way of thinking when it comes to these matters, too. Christians like to believe that their faith is based upon justifiable evidence and information. They like to believe that smart people also write books about how great Christianity and Jesus. They like to point at their musicians and say, see, we've got very talented, creative people. Every group likes to latch on to somebody they think is smart. And because of this, Every video that Jordan Peterson's got out there, whether it's on his own channel or on somebody else's channel, where they took a clip out of something that inspired them, Christians and atheists are arguing with each other over this. And I have been engaged in arguments repeatedly whenever I say something really nice about Jordan Peterson. I don't go to watch Jordan Peterson because... I'm convinced he's an atheist or a religious person. I go because I believe that a lot of the things that he says and the messages, I do believe that there's a lot of heavy spiritual stuff in some of his clips. 
But there's also some very practical applications that he puts in his videos and speeches and information that he does out there, even in interviews, that help me grow as a person personally. There's a lot of things that Mr. Peterson has said that has made valuable sense to me to where I, when I incorporate it into my life, I find myself more positive, more happy. You've probably noticed in the last couple of years, I've gotten more merciful and compassionate and I've become more relaxed. My family has also noticed, um, my outside family have also noticed that I've tried to connect more. I've tried to deal with some of my phobias even more. I put a great deal of effort into being a better listener instead of just a talker. There's a great deal of things. Um, listening to him, I feel, has given me tips and ideas on how to be a better father. That was always one of my biggest fears was, can I be a good dad? I didn't have the greatest father in the world. My parents pretty much uh, enforced a lot of abandonment issues and neglect onto me. I felt like a piece of garbage. I had a low self-esteem. And when you listen to people like Jordan Peterson that tells you, stand up straight, have authority and confidence, and make sure people know where you're coming from and be sure that whenever you speak, you know that you're going to express yourself in a way where people can't misinterpret where you're coming from or how you feel about something or how something bothers you. Instead of going Mach 4 in total anger and rage, calmly express yourself. There's a great deal of things that he says that our common sense that we should have all known a long time ago. But let's face it, a lot of us haven't taken the time to clean out our closets, bury the bones, deal with all the things that haunt us, and we allow that to affect us in a negative way in society, social media, and everything. And unfortunately for me, I have let a lot of things out that I probably shouldn't have. I've expressed myself in negative ways in the past. Guys like Jordan Peterson, they're incredible. They're offering a service that helps people. I, in my real life, cannot afford to go out and, you know, I don't have like health care and a bunch of money where I can go pay somebody who pretends as though they care about me. So I have to actually... A person like me who is not super wealthy has to find my motivation and has to find positive enforcement way of thinking by watching people like him who offer his services for free on video. I know he gets paid to do his job. I know he gets, there's, he's got like over 6 million people who are like donating to him and supporting him. But if I want to hear him talk, I have over 500 videos of him talking, whether as a professor in a classroom or in interviews or debates, to be able to get what I need. He's actually, Jordan Peterson is one of many people I enjoy watching who represent my church for me. Because I don't like going to buildings and listening to 
some preacher who just got out of learned went to bible school for a couple of years and now he thinks he knows everything kind of thing i'd rather listen to jordan peterson than attend any type of church out there which by the way a lot of people think that christianity is dying because so many churches are going down I don't believe that. I actually believe that Christianity is rising. It's just that we're finding other alternatives to continue to sustain our faith. Like, I don't go to church, so no one would be able to put on a piece of paper that statistically Brett Keene is one of the many who go to church, because I don't go to church. I watch social media, and I have a great deal of faith. I make videos about God, but I don't like church. That's It's sad, but true but the problem i see here is i made the mistake a long time ago of allowing people to put me in a mental trap jordan peterson is consistently asked repeatedly by audience members as well as the people he debates are you an atheist are you a christian what are you And he realizes, as intelligent as he is, the kind of trap that he can get himself into if he throws a label on himself. Because stating you're an atheist can mean a whole lot of different things. It comes with a lot of baggage. And if you claim to be a Christian, that comes with a whole lot of baggage. Now, all of a sudden, when you commit yourself to either group, there's certain things that people expect from you. A lot of atheists expect that if you're going to be a non-believer, then you must believe in the, a lot of atheists believe in the Big Bang. If you don't, then you're going to have to explain yourself. If you don't believe in cosmology, or you believe that there's aliens and the other ones don't, there's an argument on that. If you believe that there's a possibility of God, yet you still claim to be an atheist, other people are going to be like, why? Especially if it's an anti-theist atheist you're engaging with. There's a difference between an atheist and an anti-theist is where an atheist doesn't have any chip on his shoulder. He just says, I lack a belief in deities. I don't entertain it because I don't feel like there's enough evidence for me personally type of thing is where an anti-theist has a chip on their shoulder and they seem to want to attack anyone and anything that happens to do with theology and they're not even willing to open their mind to any discussion on it they feel that they've experienced enough in their life and they're over they're done with it now they just want to rip down the entire institution at least that's my experiences i could go on all day whenever it comes to the christian problem If you claim to be a Christian, well, what kind of Christian are you? A Mormon? A Catholic? Well, some Christians don't think that Catholics and Mormons are real Christian. If you claim to be a Baptist, then you're going to aggravate the piss out of the other denominations. They're going to wonder, why are you a Baptist and not this? You sound more like this. Why aren't you this? And you can't win with Christians. Because Christians have many, many different teams. It's not just one. There's many, many blemishes, sadly to say, on the very body of Christ. Uh, These people who claim to come in the name of God, and a lot of them don't. Some of them do. Some of them are still at a baby level whenever it comes to their faith and how they see things. Some people are very simple. Some people are plain. Some Christians have big hearts, but they don't have big brains. Some Christians have big brains, but it's not seen in their heart. They're human. So it's expected that you're going to run into all kinds of diversity when dealing with 
um, theist, whether Islam, Christianity, or anything. Same with atheists. Just because someone lacks a belief in deities doesn't mean they're going to approve of the next atheist next to them in their way of thinking. Ask any atheist how they feel about Joseph Stalin, and you're going to see real quick that a lot of them weren't too damn cool with that guy, and I prefer that he ends up in a grave type of thing. So Jordan Peterson, when asked the question, do you believe in God? What's your thoughts on Jesus? You can tell whenever he starts talking about spirituality, it's a very intense subject matter for him, and he takes it very seriously to the point where it makes him cry. And some people say that the reason why he cries is because he believes so intensely and that he's so passionate about it that yada, 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 and they fill in the blank with their imagination. I wonder if the reason why he gets nervous about the question is because he realizes that he's being pigeonholed. In a way, he's being disrespected because people want to put a label on him and they want to put him in a little box. And he doesn't want to be in a box. He's the type of person that wants to be able to help not only religious people with their walk and how to make better people of themselves, but he wants to help out people who are non-believers and people who have doubts too. He knows that the moment he says either way, he's going to be isolated and people are going to put forth their judgment and condemnation. How do I know that? Because I was in the position. When I started doing YouTube, I wanted to talk about God. I wanted to talk about spirituality, but I did not want to carry the responsibility and commitment, the negativity of any of, whether it be atheism or Christianity. I didn't want to bear the burden. I didn't want to come out and just say, this is what I am or what I think I am. Because then pagans may have issue, these other groups might have issues, and then people would completely ignore what I was trying to say in my message. And I didn't want that. I didn't want to make people feel like they were in a corner or they weren't part of what I was doing. So one day I ended up making the mistake of, I had a friend who kept saying, but Brett, you talk about Jesus a lot. I'm absolutely amazed and inspired by Jesus Christ. I am totally inspired by the Bible, and I was like that even whenever I was an atheist. Jesus always fascinated me, even whenever I was an atheist and didn't entertain the idea of God. But I was not in any kind of way entertained by what was happening in the church. I did not feel any kind of how shall I say, um, magnetism or attraction to what the church was about. It's like I totally was focused on what God was about and what was God trying to say, even as an atheist, if this God were to actually be true was how I perceived it. So it just makes me sad. Because I, when I watch Jordan Peterson, I don't give a rat's ass if he's an atheist or a Christian. To me, when I, 
how do I put this where it makes sense? I wish I could express myself as good as Jordan Peterson, because I myself have been asked, how do I feel about this and feel about that? I've been asked by non-believers, do you believe that a person who isn't a Christian can get to heaven? And my answer would be absolutely, yes. And the reason why is because Christians didn't always exist, but God did. Man existed and God existed, and there were plenty of people who never even heard the word Christian before. 90% of the Bible is not about Christianity. It's about God's interaction with mankind and how much he loves us, and also the consequences of if we disobey him. 90% of the book is simply about God putting forth morals, ethics, rules, and how to live your life and how to have a good relationship with them. And there was not a single Christian in any of that. Moses did not call himself a Christian. Job was not a Christian. Paul, Paul, he comes along in the New Testament and states, you know, he changed and seen the light and all that. And, of course, Christianity came from Jesus as he walked the earth. This word was came into existence, and that's what people went with. But I believe that God is more than just about the rules, and I'll explain why. Obviously, he cares more about us. He considers his rules and laws very seriously. But he also tells you, you can, you'll break my rules. There's no way of getting around it. You're going to sin. You're going to be guilty because that's your human nature. But I want to save you. I want the relationship with you nonetheless. And whether Jordan Peterson is an atheist or a Christian or not, it doesn't matter. If God can look into his heart and he's sincere about the words that he's saying, whenever he does his videos about the mound Whenever he talks about admiration and respect for Jesus, like he does, and talks with respect about God, then I see absolutely no reason why God would be petty and say, well, you had your doubts, Mr. Peterson, or maybe you do believe in me and you were just, for whatever reason, didn't want to get pigeonholed. I get it. I understand. Remember, Jesus forgave Peter whenever Peter got afraid and denounced him three times. He denounced Jesus Christ, even as Jesus Christ was being put to death. His disciples, even after he died, they did not take Christ seriously. They said, oh, they killed him. They did all this. They didn't believe he was going to resurrect or come back. Everybody was amazed whenever he did it, even though they'd already seen that he had the ability to bring back others. I guess they assumed he didn't have the power to bring himself back. I don't know. It's just that that's human nature. It's human nature to have skepticism and doubt. That's all natural. So I understand, but it bugs me. I hate when people say things like, oh, it looks like sooner or later he's going to be a Christian. He's going to be such a great preacher for yada 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 he's gonna he'll be so amazing whenever he's this or that 
And I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? Are you claiming that he's not already amazing? That somehow he lacks incredible coolness because he doesn't label himself a Christian? What the hell does that even mean? He's going to be such a great warrior for Christ when he labels himself this thing. As far as I'm concerned, Jordan Peterson is doing more for Christianity than a thousand Christians I've ran into throughout my entire life. This guy, unlike these people who make these dumbass comments, is actually going around the world and telling people why religion and morals and ethics and the concept of Christ is important. I don't give a damn if he puts out, oh, if you were to look at the story as hypothetical or... If you would look at it on these other ways and layers to be able to understand the deeper meaning to it, I appreciate the fact that he's even making a damn effort to look into this stuff. Atheists, as well as Christians, are listening to him. And there are going to be some Christians out there who are struggling in their faith and they listen to this guy and they'll change their ways. They'll try to be better people, which is what God wants. And atheists are going to listen to him, and it's going to be like, maybe the guy is a believer, but he's amazing, and he's making more sense than any preachers I ever listened to in my life or any person on YouTube. This man is doing more than all the churches combined in my entire county and city. Uh, it's just infuriating. I hate when people try to pigeonhole people, but I especially loathe it when people try to pigeonhole a guy like Jordan Peterson. Because what it means whenever a Christian or atheist does that is that you're not listening to the actual message and what he's trying to say. You're too absorbed in your own agenda to actually understand what the man is trying to tell you. He's trying to help you. He's not trying to be your team. He's not trying to do the me against you nonsense or we're the smart group and you're the dumb group type of thing. He's trying to say that he cares about the entire human race and he wants to help you all. It makes it brings completion to his life whenever he knows that he's actually helping people. I wish people understood that. I know because I come from the same type of place. I just don't have the same skill and talent of expressing myself like he does. I've always given myself a pat on the back and said, hey, I'm pretty good at my little YouTube experience here. But I could only say that I aspire to be like somebody like Jordan Peterson, and I don't give a damn what he calls himself. He is doing what I've always desired, and that is to be able to reach out to the world and help people. And that's all that matters to me, and I suspect that's all God asks of him, is to just simply let his light shine into the darkness. Well, ladies and gentlemen, when you get an opportunity, check out the links in my description. And may God bless you all. My family creates music, art, and books. Please support us and check it all out. Links are in the description.
Hello, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Brett Keen. I hope you're all having a blessed day. Welcome to God TV Radio Show. We'll be doing some live podcasts and shows in the future. Uh, lately, we've been just making some videos, doing some interviews with some celebrities and such, and I hope you all have been enjoying it. Make sure that you subscribe, comment, and rate, and check out all that material. It's all on the front page and organized uh, playlist for your um, amusement and intellectual purposes. How many times have we heard atheists say that God is an invented construct? How many times have we heard atheists claim that the church came along and invented God as some kind of control mechanism in order to lay down rules to make people follow, with the outcome being that the church wants money or that they want cash, that this is the whole point? Well, this is kind of strange because this is not how history plays out. Um, if we're actually being honest with ourselves and we wanted to do just about five minutes worth of research, we can tell that the concept of God has been around long, long before Christianity, long before churches were even thought of or invented. And even if we didn't want to take the time to look through history or in science or philosophy, we could easily be able to just open up the Bible or even the Quran or any one of these holy books. And we can see very clearly that a lot of these stories start off with an origin of God actually creating mankind, creating humanity. We can see that the stories do not have the church or any kind of congregation or any kind of organization or multi-billion dollar church or empire that is created until much, much later. There's nowhere in the New Testament where Jesus Christ says, hey, I want you to be some kind of TV evangelist. I want you to build a building in a certain way and put a cross above it. Anybody remember where it says in the Bible where Jesus, after he's crucified to an actual cross, he goes around telling people after he resurrects, I would like you to make a building where you put statues as well as um, wax figures of myself hanging from the cross. Anybody remember that? I don't recall that. I don't recall opening the Bible and seeing something like that. What about the court systems? George Carlin, he did an entire skit stating that what is the point of putting your hand on the Bible and swearing uh, in front of a court of law? Did you know that the Bible actually teaches you that you're not supposed to swear, that you're not supposed to make an oath? And on top of that, whenever the words that were written into the Bible stated to not swear, the Bible is not just one book in itself. It's a collection of over 80 books. That's if you were to combine the books that were not canonized, the books that the church decided for whatever reason they didn't want to go along with the rest of the information that is out there. We can see throughout time, I think that if I were to attempt to be an intelligent atheist, which would be very, very difficult because you don't see a lot of that. You hear a lot of emotional arguments. 
But if I were to try to come up with some nonsense in order to, like, uh, throw some shade or, or uh, the concept of religion and God and everything, I would probably come up with this idea that uh, some men were sitting around one day and there was a lot of questions they had that they didn't get answers for. So therefore, they came up with this extremely powerful entity or Superman-like character that created the universe. But there was a little problem with what these guys were coming up with, ladies and gentlemen. For one, when we look in the Bible in the very first story, it says that God created the oceans and that the first creatures that ever came into existence were fish. All right, so how did mankind even know this? At this time, mankind didn't even have boats and ships back in the, the time of Abraham and the story of Genesis. We hadn't gotten to the point where we were able to sail or do any of these things. Boats and uh, ships were not invented until much later. So the concept of God has existed even before our ability to <laughs> go fishing for ourselves. We originally started out as nomads trying to survive off of the land and what um, opportunities were given to us that way. It wasn't until we start reading the New Testament where we start hearing about people really, really getting into when civilization had fishermen, because some of our disciples are mentioned to uh, doing that as a career or as a way to be able to survive and take care of people and all this. Not to say that the disciples were the first to ever fish or anything like that. Of course not. The point is, we don't even see in the Old Testament where God is commanding and demanding that anybody build any kind of building of any type of nature where people will come together. Now, God did expect fellowship. He did expect families and people to love each other. He expected people to take care of each other, and he expected certain type of rituals and all this and um, adherence and respect towards him as an entity. But you don't see through, and the Old Testament, by the way, is 90% of the Bible. The New Testament's very small compared to the Old Testament. There's not one single time where God is actually stating, here's what I want. I want you to make a cement parking lot. I want you to build this big building, and I want people to go in with electric guitars and, and jam out and sing hymns and all these kind of things. The Bible does say that God likes to hear people sing, and he likes to see humans happy and with joy. So I could understand why a lot of churches and a lot of Christians get this idea, and they interpret it as this is what God would probably like, because it actually says that God enjoys it whenever we're happy and we're, you know, joyous and singing and all this. But he didn't tell us that we need to sit down and write a bunch of hymns get out an acoustic guitar, do all this kind of thing, throw on some uh, headphones and uh, have a bunch of light shows happening while this is going on. Some other things that are interesting that the Bible doesn't mention either. There's not a lot of detail on the devil. A lot of people get this idea that the devil is some kind of big red monster with wings and horns and just looks 
evil as hell. Maybe you've, uh, maybe you're a fan of heavy metal or hard rock and you've seen these t-shirts where they have their transcription or interpretation of what the devil looks like, where he's got like hooved feet and then of course fangs. <laughs> well, unfortunately, mankind has a tendency to take what God says or what God didn't say, and then they make up their own crap around it. We've seen that the church and religion has um, lied. Whenever it comes to the concept of the devil, the Bible actually describes the devil as being one of the most beautiful angels that God ever created, that he was like his right-hand man. If you were to ever see the devil, you shouldn't expect to see a monster or some hideous creature with scales. You should expect to see something beautiful that is extremely intelligent, extremely smart, and something that could talk you into basically destroying yourself. Something that is cunning enough to drain the hope and leave you in despair and tempt you to do things that you wouldn't normally do if you didn't have that voice in your head telling you to do these things. The point is, ladies and gentlemen, is that God existed before religion or before churches. It wasn't some kind of concept where a bunch of religious people got together, they create a building, and then they just put a sign out that, okay, everyone, now we're going to believe in God. The reason why billions and billions of people throughout the years actually believe in God was not because some one guy told them this, and then they all went, wow, that's so neat, I guess I'll believe in that now. They believed because they actually had interactions with God. If you open up the Bible, the Bible is a written history of literally millions of people throughout time, throughout the ages, book after book written by different authors stating that they had an experience or an interaction with an ancient, powerful entity, one could actually say anomaly, that claimed to be God and the creator of this universe. Now, you could argue, well, how do we know it was God? Well, how do we know it wasn't an alien? How do we know it wasn't some kind of monster from a multi-universe or dimension? Well, we don't know. What we do know, though, is that for many, many generations and centuries, though, for thousands of years, not only did this God interact with Christians, but before that, he hung out with Jews. And also, apparently, according to the Bible, a lot of pagans, people of other religions, also witness this God firsthand. Sometimes in a peaceful manner, most of the time, God did some pretty, pretty rough things to people of other faiths because he's a jealous God. He didn't like it whenever they worshipped other things or idolized other things. And their experience and interaction was sometimes, how shall I say, permanent? Okay. There are non-believers who are mentioned in the Bible who um, experienced the concept of God. And it says that they were terrified. They were in fear whenever they seen uh, this entity actually reveal itself before the lands. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. The Bible actually has it to where non-believers as well as pagans are mentioned. It's not just a book about what Jews thought. 
It's not just a book about Christians and what they thought. It's a book that tells you the history of how all of these cultures and societies interacted with each other. And then even if we were to throw the Bible aside and say, yep, whatever, we open up the Quran, we can see that thousands of people interacted with this entity that was called Allah. And what does Allah mean? According to the Bible as well as the Quran, it means God. So nobody ran into a cave one day and got out a witch's cauldron and stirred some garbage and said, ah, let's come up with a god so we can steal money from people and all this kind of thing. Nobody ever just sat down and came up with this idea that this would be some kind of profitable thing. In fact, for many, many years, the Christians, whenever they hung out with each other back in primitive days, they hung out in caves and they worshipped God and they did candles and oil and everything else. They didn't even, they were more the poor man's type of faith. That's how they did things as well as the Jews. When we look at the pagan religion, the pagans didn't just come together and say, oh yeah, I want to feel as though I'm part of nature, so therefore I'm going to invent, you know, this and this and this and that. They believed in it because not only did they experience some miracles and some very incredible things, but I believe that God actually inter interacted with all these different groups. Now you're probably asking yourself, but that can't be the case because the pagans have different names for their gods and the Indians have different names for their spirits, animals and gods and all this. And the, this group over here, they say this and this group over here says, of course they do. If you lived on the other side of the world or you lived in an entirely different region, speaking a completely different language, if God interacts with you, you might call him boo-boo. You know, you don't, unless he tells you in his, to where you can understand it, this is the name that you're going to come up with. Everybody's got their own different word for God, depending on the society and culture, of course. I wouldn't be surprised if someone called him Abaddon or boo-boo or one of the many names that is used in demonology and all that. It's a different language. It's a different culture. You should expect that people are going to have all kinds of different stories and personal uh, experiences with this. So how do people even come up with this nonsense? Why do they say things like that? People just invented it. Just invented it. Really? Do you realize how difficult that would be? Do you realize how difficult it would have been for me even a couple hundred years ago to walk around into a city or a town and tell someone, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, I possess my own puffed magic dragon. I have my own creature that lives, I've got in, right alongside of it in the cage next to it, I've got a Bigfoot. I've got no information to be able to provide, nothing to be able to show for it, but I'm just going to go into a town and just say, oh yeah. I mean, how, doesn't that seem almost degrading when you think about it? Atheists are basically saying that trillions of people throughout time were just idiots, that they were stupid, and that they just made up shit off the top of their head because basically 
uh, according to Lewis Black. They were bored and they didn't have air conditioning while they walked around in the damn desert. So they just, voila, came up with stuff. It's degrading and it just throws a lot of shade on our ancestors. It's basically saying that for, for all this time, everything our ancestors, everything our mothers and fathers and grandparents told us, it's all a lie. They were just ignorant-ass people. And now you come along in your small little minority of a non-believer group, and you're going to tell the whole world that they're stupid for believing in a higher power. Such arrogance. And you wonder, a lot of you wonder why it is that no one wants to talk to you or why no one wants to have a comment conversation or make videos back and forth with you or even talk to you. Some of you are so crude and rude. You actually have convinced yourself that because you made an A or an essay that you did having to do with uh, bubble monkeys or something that all of a sudden you're an, a genius. You think because you share the same name with someone who happened to one day be smart, that that somehow makes you smart. Like, look at this guy here. This is Albert Einstein. He says, the more I study science, the more I believe in God. And just because Einstein asserts or suggests that through his study and in research, he believes more in God, that doesn't all of a sudden make me say, as a rational thinker, that, ah, well, Albert Einstein thought that. That must make me super intelligent, too. No, it's nice to know that he thought that, but it doesn't make me go, oh, wow. I think that I could go into a university right now and do some sea pie shit. That all of a sudden, I am going to be great at calculus. Hell, I'll be lucky if I get through my multiplication tables. So, no, I don't get this idea, but there's a lot of people out there where you'll watch somebody like Penn and Teller or you'll watch some comedians uh, make a claim or assert, there is no God. And then all of a sudden you just think, oh, wow, that guy's brilliant. I'm brilliant, too, because I think a lot of the same thoughts. <laughs> oh, boy. It's insulting, ladies and gentlemen. Not only are these non-believers insulting everyone around them, but they're insulting their own family. They insult their own lineage. Um, they're so arrogant. It's, I don't know, if, if you were to go look at the symptoms of a sociopath or narcissist, bam, it's right there. How do we do that, ladies and gentlemen? How do we do that? You do realize that God came before all of this. And number two, if all the churches were to disappear today, all the books and the Bibles, all this were thrown into a furnace, God would still exist. There would be no disproving of that. Number two, every one of you are going to die. That is the way life works. There's a cycle of life. Every one of us is going to die. And guess what? The belief in God, the acceptance of God, is going to exist many, many years. As long as this world continues to exist, as long as there is a sentient life form who can speak or be able to express himself, the concept of God will exist far after 
you have passed away and you're decaying in the grave. Remember Frederick Nietzsche? Frederick Nietzsche said God is dead. No, Frederick Nietzsche's dead. God's doing just fine even after all these years. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you have a wonderful day. God bless. Well, atheism is a belief, so I don't, I'm not an atheist, because that's something I hate to also makes a definitive statement. There is no, you, was, was he an atheist? Did he describe himself in any specific way? Related no, to God he did not use the term atheist. He felt atheism was as dogmatic as any other ism out there. Mm-hmm. Um, 